Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Tales from the Trenches, and we have two great stories today. According to the National Organization of Mothers of Twins Clubs, the rate of identical twins is constant at approximately 4 per thousand. It is remarkable that the incidence of identical twins remains the same no matter where a person lives, and it has remained the same throughout history. The rate of fraternal twins, on the other hand, can change depending on where a person lives, a mother's age, etc. Fraternals account for the differences in the twin rate, the fraternal's rate being approximately 22.8 per thousand in the world. Any given mother would have a better chance of having fraternal twins as there are two-thirds more fraternal or dizygotic twins than identical or monozygotic twins. However, your own chance of having twins depends on your personal history, age, race, and many other factors. But what about twins in the congenital heart defect community? Our show today, Twins in a Congenital Heart Defect Community, will involve two mothers who had twins. Today's guests are Kathy Kolosinski and Roxanne montavo Sai. Roxanne is the mother of Selena and Jasmine Sai, who were born on May 1st. 2014 with Tetralogy of Flow. Selena was a pink tet baby and was in the neonatal intensive care unit, or NICU, for nine days. She was sent home with a pulse oximeter machine to check oxygen levels. Jasmine was a blue tet baby with pulmonary atresia. She had her full repair open heart surgery at 15 days of life and developed arrhythmia after recovery. She needed three cardioversions, but was sent home with medication after 35 days in the NICU. Selena had her full repair open-heart surgery when she was one day shy of three months of life. She recovered quickly and came home in seven days. The twin girls are 11 months old now and are thriving with help from early intervention services. Jasmine needs another surgery in a couple of years, and both will need yet another procedure before they become adults. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Roxanne. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, I'm so happy to have you back. Our longtime listeners may recall, and maybe not even longtime listeners, but recent listeners, that you were also on the show called Hope for Babies with Heart Defects, and you talked to us because you knew in utero that you would be having your babies with heart defects. So it's so good to have you back on the show, Roxanne. 
unlike Kathy, you did find out in utero that not one, but both of the twins would be born with critical congenital heart defects. And I imagine preparing to birth twins is hard enough. How do you prepare to have twins who you know will both require surgeries and hospitalizations after birth while still caring for a toddler? Well, that beginning part in the 20-week anatomy scan when we did find out, first of all, it was a huge shock and from that other episode that we had, the first hospital mentioned termination even. So that was very, very hard. So we were just trying to make big decisions here because we already had the heart-healthy kid. So the main thing was that we found the right medical team and that's what helped us get by dealing with the surgery. They helped us with child life and everything with our son. The main thing was by preparing was finding the right medical team and then they gave us a tour of the NICU and everything like that. So that's how we were prepared. And I love the way child life does come into our lives like that in a way that you're not even expecting. It's hard enough to think about the babies that you're carrying having this heart defect without thinking, oh my goodness, how is this going to affect my heart healthy son? I had the same situation. I didn't have twins, but I had a three-year-old and then we had a son with a critical congenital heart defect and I was worried about how it would affect Joey. How old is your son? How much older than Uh, the girls? Right now he's three, he's going to be four in September, but at the time he was two, so mm-hmm. it, it was like two and a half or so, so he didn't really know what was going on, I mean, he just thought that we were going to the hospital to visit the babies, and he was going to go see the truck that the child life people <laughs> left, so he was always excited and looking forward to going to the hospital. I just love how child life can do that. They can take yeah. what could be a traumatic experience and instead turn it into something that's fun for our kids. Thank God for yeah. child life, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Thank God for the good hospitals with child life, yes. What was the surgical course like for the twins? It looks like the pink tet baby or Selena didn't need surgery right away. So what was it like for the twins to be separated? Well, I think it was much harder on me because being a twin mommy, you want both babies with you at all times. It was just heartbreaking to leave one at the hospital and bring one home with me and just deal with the one at home and then knowing that the other one is there. When I was home with the healthier TOS baby, I'm dealing with the other one at the hospital. She's getting cardioversions and I couldn't even be there for her. I was holding on to the one that I had at home for dear life, knowing that the other one is getting these procedures done that are just kind of life-threatening. It was very, very hard for me, I think. I think they couldn't tell what was going on, really. I mean, because they're babies. They don't even know what's going on when they're getting their heart surgery. It's sad. I think it's just the whole mm-hmm. thing is just more traumatic for the parents, if anything. Yeah, I imagine it is extremely traumatic for the yeah. parents. And did yeah. you try to nurse the girls? Well, for Jasmine, Jasmine was the one that was staying at the hospital. I didn't produce much milk because I guess I was just very stressed with the preeclampsia and everything. Mm -hmm. It was just a very stressful time. But the little milk that I lasted, I think about a month, everything, most of it was brought over to Jasmine. Like my husband would drive it over to the hospital. And that hospital was like opposite side of our town for us. So he would just drive it over every night to her. And I would just give like a drop to Selena over here. Because, again, I wasn't producing much, and I was just pumping, and, you know, it was just the very worst, (laughs) it was a very hard time in my life there. (laughs) Pumping is hard enough. I pumped while Alex was in the hospital, and I was so upset that I wasn't producing more milk, and I'm sure that it was all the stress, just like you're saying. Once I could nurse him naturally, he did great. And and I know he did because he got oh, fat. You're so lucky you were able to do that. You're so lucky you were able you to do that. I, I ended up giving up after the month. 
Oh, I can just imagine now because you had this baby in the hospital for a month. Alex was only, well, first of all, I was able to establish breastfeeding before we discovered he had a heart defect. And I think that makes a difference. Oh, good. And we could come back to it. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. we, although it was a it was a struggle from the very beginning for us, so I can't even imagine knowing ahead of time and then trying to do it. God bless you for doing it for a whole month. You gave those <laughs> babies, you. even if it only was what you say is a drop for Selena. You still gave the babies the best thing that they could possibly have, which is nourishment from your body. So yeah, yeah, good I tried. <laughs> Thank you. I can't imagine having twins and still pumping and doing that. And God bless your husband for taking the milk over to the hospital. Yeah, he knew how important it was. Yeah, God bless him. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, it's just so awesome. Terrific team. And that's why the girls are doing so well today because you're such a great team. Thank you. Well, tell me what it was. (laughs) Tell me what it was like for your heart-healthy son to have twin sisters who were in and out of the hospital. You say he was two, so but still, he was old enough to know that one baby was home and one baby was not. And then was there ever a time when both of the babies were in the hospital at the same time, aside from when you were birthing them? Um, no, just, um, it it was kind of weird because it was like, you know, first Jasmine was there and then he knew that he was coming to visit Jasmine and then it was Selena's turn to get her to get her surgery at three months. So then, you know, he knew that we were, you know, bringing Jasmine along with us to go see Selena. So, I mean, mm-hmm. he kind of just went with what we were telling him was going on because, again, he was too... I mean, now, he's starting, now that he's three, he's starting to ask many more questions and stuff. He doesn't really remember, I think, what was going on before. But, um, like, my husband made sure that he took him to the park every day, you know, mm-hmm. um, he, along with, you know, there will be a hospital visit, so we'll take him to the hospital. I mean, he would take him to the hospital park. Um, there was, like, a park right right around the hospital and stuff. So he would just always make sure that he gave him as normal quality of life as he could during that time, even though it was so crazy, you know. So um, it, it, it wasn't that hard for him. Yeah, yeah, and on top of being a coach and everything. So for him, I, I'm, I'm very proud of, of everything he's done for us, you know, for mm-hmm. as a family. Yeah, we're very lucky. Yes, he sounds yeah. like he's a keeper, Roxanne. He sounds yes, like a he keeper. Is. Yes, <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> so what do you think was the most difficult adjustment your family had to make having twins? Not not just focusing on the heart defect right now, but just focusing on the fact that you had twins. Yeah, yeah, that was very, very hard. Just realizing that I can't do it alone. My mother-in-law, she lives a little far away, so she can't be here too often. My mom hasn't come in to help me to pick up my son sometimes from school, especially New York City was having this big cold blizzard spell for a few months. So my mom was helping me with the school pickups. And I've been getting help with early intervention services. They have something called respite services. I just found out there's a triplet family with a toddler on top of that. So they have four. They have four kids. So she just found out that I'm getting help for something called respite services, and they send along some help a few times a week for a few hours, but that help has been gold to me. Like, I can run down and do laundry while she's with the twins and stuff. So I'm trying to get the word out to people that don't know about this that are getting early intervention services that they should Uh also sign up for respite services. Okay. That sounds like a golden (laughs) nugget. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Roxanne, for sharing all this information with us. It's time for us to take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet. 
coming up next, we'll be talking to Kathy, and she also had twins but didn't find out until after the twins were born he would have a heart defect. We'll hear more about her story when we return. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, show for the congenital heart defect community. Today, our topic is twins in the congenital heart defect community, and our guests today are Kathy Kolosinski and Roxanne Montavasai. It has been so much fun talking to Roxanne. She was on one of our former shows talking about hope for babies being born with congenital heart defects, but now we'll turn our attention to Kathy Kolosinski. Kathy is a homeschooling mom to six energetic children, Zach, who is 11, Dominic, who is 9, Mia, who is 7. Eli, who is three, and Ethan and Lucas, who are one-year-old twins. She also has a bonus daughter from her husband's first marriage, Tasha, who is 16. One of Kathy's twins, Ethan, was born with an obstructed total anomalous pulmonary venous return and required emergency open-heart surgery at 11 hours of age. He had an amazing recovery and went home after only three and a half weeks. He had no complications since his repair, and all indicators are that he should live a totally normal life with no more surgeries in the future. This is such a great way to introduce our next guest. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Kathy. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, I loved reading your blog, and I know that your birth experience with the twins was a little different from what you were accustomed to and what you prefer since you had a hospital birth instead of a home birth. Did you know before Ethan was born that he would have a heart defect? No, we did not. This particular defect isn't one that you can see in utero. It doesn't manifest until the babies are using their lungs for oxygen, so it doesn't really show up until after birth. The pulmonary veins are so tiny that you can't typically see them on a normal ultrasound. It's also not a very common defect. It's only 1 in 10,000. So it also usually shows up with other defects. So if they don't see any of the major, more common defects, they don't really look for this one. So it wasn't looked for because he had all four chambers, all the blood flow looked good, so they weren't looking for it. And you really need to have a specialized fetal echocardiogram machine to be able to see those really tiny veins, and you also have to have Mm -hmm. somebody who knows what they're doing. And even with an experienced fetal cardiologist and the right equipment, they can still miss it. So, yeah, we had no idea. Right. I know that in our communication with each other before the show that... I had told you, I know one of the oldest living TAPVR survivors, Carl Walford, and he came on. He was on my very first show. He is such an inspiration. I've had the good fortune of meeting him in person, and his mother also, of course, you know, he's one of the oldest. He's, I think he's in his 50s, didn't know, of course, 50 years ago that he was going to be born with a heart defect like that, and Dr. Denton Cooley did his first surgery, and it's just amazing to see how he has had such a normal life. There's a lot of hope for your little guy. 
There is. It's really amazing. I actually know Carl from a TAPVR support group online, and yeah, I believe he just turned 54 and he went the majority of his life without any cardiac care at all. Never saw a cardiologist until much later in life, and he just had a pacemaker put in, I think, last year, but had a totally normal growing up. He did sports, no issues I know. whatsoever. Oh, so the outlook for TAPVR babies are is fantastic. Fantastic. It really, really is. It really is. It has amazed me. And all of his children are heart healthy, which is right. always a good thing for a parent to hear, to know that they're not going to have to go through this again with their grandchildren as well. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your experience of having twins, one being whisked away to another hospital while you're still recovering from the birthing process? It was chaos. There was really no warning. He came out and he looked a little bluish, but that's to be expected, and I held him for a couple of minutes and handed him off to my husband, and then he held him, and his twin brother was born seven minutes later, and it cut his cord and looked at him, and I got both of them back, and I'm laying there looking between the two of them, and I looked at the nurse, and I said, he looks really blue, and she said, yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to take him over and give him some oxygen, and within the next 10 minutes after that, the neonatologist came over and said, we need to take him up to the NICU. And so we were on different floors. My husband was up in the NICU with our son, and I was on the recovery floor, and we were texting and calling back and forth on cell phones that were dying because we had been using the batteries all day. And he had a hole in one lung, and he had an air pocket around one lung, and so they thought if they drained that, that would resolve the issues of him not oxygenating, and that didn't fix it. So they did an echo on his heart, and they said, hey, his heart looks great. It's Again, it's all got all four chambers. The veins and the arteries aren't reversed. We're going to see what else it is. So he tried everything that he could, and when it got to a point after about four hours, he said, okay, I think it's a heart defect. It's not a very common one. I can't tell if it is or not because we can't see those veins. If this is what it is, I can't fix it here, and he needs to go. And so he called for the transport when Ethan was about four hours old. And it takes a while, I guess, to get the rig ready because he was intubated and on ventilator support, multiple IVs. It takes a while to get all of that set and then to get him from point A to point B into the transport module thing. And so they got him over to Children's Hospital of Wisconsin when he was about eight hours old. And within a half an hour of him getting there, they knew he was going to be having open-heart surgery. So it was oh just very, God. you know, and then I have the vacillation of do I go with, do I stay here with the other baby, how do we do this? And there wasn't really a good place for me to go over there being postpartum and with a newborn. Right. And I had hemorrhage, so they were kind of worried about my health, so it was very difficult being separated while my husband was going through all of that with one baby and I've got the, the healthy one here and, and I'm trying to take care of myself. Oh, my God. Gosh, yes, what a nightmare. I mean, who would predict that something like that could happen? And to be hemorrhaging, that must have been really scary, too. That And it was probably stress-induced, wouldn't you think? No, I had a very large clot, basically, that was stuck, which is common with twins. Your uterus gets so big that it can't quite clamp down all the way. It's kind of tired. I just didn't expel everything. And so that was the problem once they got that out things kind of resolved themselves. But you can't predict something like this. I had an amazingly healthy pregnancy. I carried the baby still 39 weeks. We were expecting to go home in a few hours after they were born. So it was just, yeah, it was a lightning strike. You can't predict something like that. Um, And it was hard. Like I said, it was very hard being separated and not knowing where do I go, which baby do I focus on. Yeah, so was that the hardest part, just trying to figure out where am I supposed to be, who am I supposed to take care of, and how am I going to do all this? (laughs) Yeah, it was. That was probably one of the toughest things for me was not being with him 24-7. I think had he been a singleton, I would have been able to be at the hospital more. 
But that wasn't an option. In addition to our four older children, we moved into a new house the day that they were born. That was not part of the plan, but I went into labor the day we were moving into a new house. I don't recommend it, buying a new house when you're very pregnant with twins. But, you know, all the pieces fell into place, so we just went with it. So I was, you know, my husband would get up at four in the morning, and he would go into the hospital and stay until morning rounds. And then I would spend the morning kind of resting because I had just given birth and taking care of Lucas. And then I would go in after lunch and stay until he would get off work. And then he would come in and one of us would stay until the night nurse came on. And then I would have to come home. It wasn't feasible for me to stay there with Lucas because there was some initial hesitation from the hospital staff about having a healthy baby in the cardiac ICU because there were some infections in there. There's sick babies in there. I couldn't leave one newborn to go take care of the other. And so they were very accommodating with us, getting through the unit as fast as possible, just kind of stay in your room, <laughs> which, you know, which made it a little difficult to connect right. with other heart parents. But the hardest part was not being able to be there with him for the procedures, and mm. the, he had a delayed chest closure, so I wasn't able to be there for that. So I can completely understand when the other guest was talking about not being able to be there for those procedures. That was very hard for me. That's part of the trauma that I'm dealing with was that I missed so much of it because I had another baby to take care of, and I had older children to take care of. And he had four um, other children. <laughs> right, right. In addition, yeah, in addition to the old ones that, you know, they had, they had a baby, they got one of their brothers, but they wanted their other brother too. And well, so it, sure. was, it was hard on them. Like, when are we going to get to see Ethan? When is Ethan coming home? When are we going to get to go find him? We wanted to wait until he was extubated and had some of the tubes and stuff out before mm-hmm. we brought them in. So he was about nine days old right. before they got to meet him. But yeah, that, oh, wow. that, was, that was the hardest thing, was feeling so divided. I think if he had been a singleton, mm-hmm. I would have been at the hospital more with him because my mother was here, my in-laws were able to come and watch our older children, and they're old enough that they could kind of understand what was happening. So I think if there had been one baby versus two, I think I would have been at the hospital more and felt more connected to everything that was going on with him. Right, they're, they're right. Very I think different, that's the scary you know? part. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's the scary part, though, is, is the disconnect and knowing that you're not there every time the doctors make rounds. And so you right. can't and wondering talk to is, them. And, right. Wondering, right. is he going to bond the same way? Am I going to be able to breastfeed him mm. the way that I'm nursing his brother? How long is it going to be before I can hold him? There was a lot of worry and concern about what our relationship is going to be like. Is it going to be the same as it is with the other baby? Right. So Roxanne was telling us... Roxanne was telling us that she pumped so that her husband could take milk to the baby in the hospital. It sounds like you were breastfeeding the baby that was healthy. Were you able to pump to give milk to the baby in the hospital? Yes and no. I was initially nursing Lucas, and when I was pumping, I got some colostrum for Ethan because they would do mouth care. And so I would nurse Lucas on one side and pump the other side for Ethan. When I would go to the hospital, my husband would bring milk in the morning that I had pumped overnight because I would wake up and, again, nurse Lucas and pump at the same time. So I tried to get Ethan as much milk as I could, but, again, I also was not producing very much, probably because of the stress. And so eventually I realized I just didn't have it in me to keep pumping. And so after he got home, I couldn't keep up with it. And so I switched to donor milk for a good portion of his food. We still had to fortify his calories, and his formula was still fortified. But I switched to donor milk for him for most of the time. And then when he got clearance from speech therapy, we did work on nursing. And so he does nurse. He nurses for comfort, oh. and he nurses for naps. And his weight is still down. He's not a big weight gainer. He's not a big eater. He's never been a big eater. We had a scare where the NG tube almost went back in because he wasn't eating the volumes that they wanted to. But he mm-hmm. does nurse, yes. He's still breastfeeding. And he's a very snuggly little guy. He will run up to me uh-huh. and want to nurse. And I'm very, very glad for that. 
Oh, that is so wonderful that you were able to establish that. I've done a couple of shows Mm -hmm. on breastfeeding, and breastfeeding a singleton is difficult enough. I cannot even imagine trying to breastfeed twins when one is healthy and one is in the hospital. Oh, my gosh, talk about stress. That would just, that would probably do me in. So I congratulate you, Kathy. You are a super mom. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I, I wouldn't go all the way to say for mom, but it's, it's been, I was very blessed. That was one of my biggest fears. And I kept saying to everybody, I really want to be able to nurse him. We need to do whatever we need to do so yeah. I can hopefully nurse him. And part of that is I don't have time to wash bottles with six kids. <laughs> so I can cut down on that work. <laughs> now that they're about a year, they're fighting more and taking on each other while they're tandem nursing, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun oh. but kind of annoying at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's good. It's, it's good. And I'm, I'm very glad we were able to do that. Wow, that's really amazing. We could do a whole story just on that, but we do have to go to a quick commercial break. Thank you so much, Kathy. We will be back in just a moment. When we come back, we'll have both of the ladies in the studio at the same time, and we'll hear their parting words of advice. Don't leave yet. Come right back. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today, our topic is twins in the congenital heart defect community, and today's guests are Kathy Kolosinski and Roxanne Montavasai. It has been so much fun talking with these moms of twins. We've actually tackled a number of different topics. We've talked about twins. We've talked about breastfeeding. It has really been a great show, and we've even talked about siblings, so we've really done a lot in a short period of time, and we do only have a short period of time left, but let me thank one more time my awesome guests and I'm going to put them in this studio together. Thank you so much, Kathy, and thank you so much, Roxanne. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, I'm so glad we can be in the studio together. We only have about a minute left, but I would love to know what each of you could say to our listening audience, the best advice that you could give a family who is expecting twins, especially if they know that one of those twins will be born with a congenital heart defect. And Roxanne, I'll start with you. Um, Well, first of all, having twins is a blessing. When the hospital mentioned to us that we might want to consider termination, Go elsewhere, look for answers elsewhere, go to a hospital that has the right medical team that has the best experience with heart surgery, pediatric heart surgery. Don't just stay at a place that makes you feel uncomfortable, which is what was happening at the first hospital we were at. So definitely do your research and find the right place that people that have experience with these things, not a place that is scared to take care of you (laughs) with this problem. Okay, that is really good advice. And Kathy, what would your best advice be? And and you can even talk about just your best advice regarding having twins, especially since you didn't even know <laughs> that you were going to have a baby with a heart defect. Right. I would say, number one, make sure that mom is taking care of herself. It was so easy for me to just get overwhelmed and be so concerned with taking care of the babies that I kind of forgot my own needs, like eating <laughs> and drinking water. <laughs> Make sure that mom is taking care of herself and ask for help if you need meals, if you need somebody to come watch the other kids, if you just need somebody to to come over so you can take a shower and have a really good cry while you're in there, do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So make sure that you're meeting what you need to be able to function. And don't be afraid to get therapy. It is traumatic 
mm-hmm. to for us to all of a sudden be flung into this world with no warning whatsoever. I didn't acknowledge the trauma that I had. I spent so much time telling myself he needed to be there, he had to be or he would have died. This was all necessary. That it sort of minimized me being able to say, this was traumatic for me, and, and I'm struggling with right. this. And so right. I have recently started to see a counselor again to work through some of that for myself. And be gentle with yourself. You can't be there yeah. for those babies quite possibly, and you have to do the best that you can with the tools that you have. Oh, I just love that advice. I just absolutely love that advice. The second show that I ever did was on post-traumatic stress disorder, because you're right, this is a traumatic event, and this affects all of us parents, but to give birth to twins and then find out that one has a life-threatening condition is traumatic, no matter how you look at it, and you're right, if you don't take care of mom, then mom can't take care of everybody else, so we have to take care of mom. I love that advice. That's perfect, and unfortunately, that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. It was such a great episode. Thanks again, Roxanne and Kathy, and thanks to you for listening today. Please come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time. Until then, please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com. Make a purchase from our Cafe Press Boutique to help defray the cost of our show. And please consider following us on Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week. 